We're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 17. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting at verse 5. Amen. The Lord is good. God is good. And Father, I ask that you would right now, Father, that you would let your spirit just take over, God, that you would set a guard on my lips, that you would allow me to be your vessel, God. I thank you that you could use broken vessels like us, like me. And today, Lord, that you would let the words that you want to be spoken be spoken. Let the message that you want us to hear, that you need us to hear, let it be heard, God, throughout the ends of the earth, wherever we are, wherever your people are this morning listening, whether it's now or later on, God, that your message would get through, that you would quicken our spirits, not because of me, but because of you, because of your, your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Reading from Jeremiah chapter 17, starting at verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in a parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Cursed is the man who, who trusts in man. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. I mean, what tree do you want to be? I want to ask you this morning, who is, where is your trust? Where is your trust? And I'm going to talk, the message today is about learning to trust. You know, last week, if you, if you were uh, with us last week, we talked about um, trusting the process and really trusting God. And I realize, I realize that, that as, we, as we talk, it's easy to, for someone to say, trust the Lord right? It's easy. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if it's, I know it's, it's a challenge if you are new in the Lord, perhaps. Maybe you're new to serving the Lord, and somebody said, well, just trust God. That would be kind of like LeBron James telling me, well, just shoot the ball, right? Like, I need more than that. It's kind of like the teens when they would teach me, try to teach me how to dance, and we all, well, some of us know how that went, but it's not as easy as just saying, do it. You know, trust the Lord. It's, it's, sometimes it's a, little, it's a little difficult. Well, how do I do that, right? I, I want to trust the Lord. I know that the Word tells me to trust the Lord. We just read that blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. And we all have trust issues, right? So we all, like, I, I am skeptical. I don't know when I became a skeptic, but I am skeptical. I don't trust anybody. And so for me to trust the Lord, it kind of is a miracle. Uh, but... I have gotten to a place, I have been serving the Lord a while, and I know that he is trustworthy. He is worthy to put our trust in. Why, how have I known that? How, how did I get to that point? You know, it's kind of like I think of, I think of my, my son who's here today. He's one of the few in the, in the room. Uh, Nathaniel, he would, he, would ha- he would do this thing where, where he would play with a toy and it would break. Something would break with a toy. And he would and usually it's when I'm working, and he would run into my office where I was, and he would, he would put it on my desk, 
And, and then I would find out, like, before he ran into me, he would tell mom, it's okay, daddy can fix it. No matter what the toy was, no matter how complicated the toy was, whatever it was, he, he, he just had confidence in me that I could fix it. Now, how did he get that confidence? I, I don't know where he got it from. I'm not a toy maker. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an engineer. Uh, but something happened where I guess, you know, it started with I, I fixed one toy for him, and then all of a sudden now he can fix anything, right? So, but he had confidence in me that kind of grew over time. I, I heard a... Um, uh, a message this week, uh, shout out to Stephen Furtick. I listened to one of his messages, man, and it, it kind of was along these same lines. And He was talking about the momentum of a decision. And I'm not going to summarize, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. You go back and listen to it because it, it's powerful. But he talked about in, in Mark chapter 5, verse 11, where the disciples came. This is the calling of the first disciples. And the verse 11 says that, and they, they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left their nets they left everything to follow Jesus. Which seems kind of strange, right? It's kind of dumb, actually. How do you get to that point where you're willing to leave your livelihood, everything that, that you depend on, and you follow Jesus? What gets somebody to that point? And, and the whole summary of his message was that before they got to that point, there was a process. Okay, so... You read that story, the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Uh, it says that Jesus showed up and he was teaching people. And then he asked Simon to put the boat, out, the boat out a little. He wanted to use Simon's boat to speak to the people. He said, hey, Simon, would you put the boat out just a little? And he did. And then he preached to the people. And then he asked Simon, hey, let's go fish. And the story goes that they caught all this fish. And, and Simon was doubtful in the, in the beginning. But they caught the fish. And then when it was, when they couldn't contain all the fish that were in the net because they obeyed Jesus and what he told them to do. He, he saw the result of following this, this man, Jesus, who he didn't really know yet, but he fell at his feet and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy. Then we get to verse 11 where he pulled up, they pulled up and they left everything and they followed him. And the whole point of that is that it didn't start with following everything. It started with a little. Remember, he, he, Jesus said, put out a little. And it's little steps. It's little steps. And if you're new in the faith, uh, you know, I want to I encourage you that just keep taking those little steps. Do the little things. A lot of times we want God to do something great. We, 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 we look at people in our lives maybe who have done great things and we look, well, how did they get there? And how do I get there? And, and, I'm, and I'm struggling. And how do I trust the Lord in this? And I'm, and I'm saying to you just a little, a little at a time. And as you see God continue to be faithful. So we're going to talk a little bit more about, about how to do that. But I, I, want, to, I want to show you um, a little story. And, and, and how many of you miss the military stories? All right. Well, pastor will be next week, and, and I'm sure he'll have a military story. But I don't have a military story because I never served in the military. But I do have this old school tech I don't know if anybody, if you can even see this on the screen, but this is old school tech. This is, and I realized last week, I talked about GPS. I don't even know if we call it GPS nowadays. You still call it GPS? I don't know. Now you just call your phone, whatever, and say, hey, Waze or Maps or whatever it is. But this was my first GPS. I don't even remember when I got it. But what I do remember is that when I started to use it, Lee hated it. 
My wife, she hated it. I put this thing on, the, I was all excited because look, it's a map, and this is before you can get on your phone now, right? So it's not that long ago. So don't, don't give me these looks or put in, you know, don't hate me because I'm talking about old technology. But we tried this thing, and it was the greatest thing because you put the map in, you put a destination, obviously. You know how it works. You know how it works. But what happened is, this would take us down streets that we would never think of going to. We would go down these side streets and neighborhoods, and, and we're like, why in the world? And, and it would take us off some exit some way, and, and, and she would hate that because she had her maps, she, paper maps. She had, we, and we still have in the glove compartment paper maps, the ones that you, you can't figure out how to fold up again. But she had these maps, and, and you, you need to know that when we would drive somewhere, she was my navigator. So I trusted my navigator if there was an accident or we wanted to go somewhere else, you know, stop along the way, I said, hey, Lee, can you find us? And she would pull out the map and she would plot it and she would tell me where to go. And she was my GPS, right? So I was trusting my navigator. Well, my navigator hated this new device because it didn't line up with what she was used to. It didn't line up with the map that she was seeing that she could hold in her hand, right? She hated it. But eventually, we started to trust this thing a little bit more, right? So I remember she actually, we got to a point, and I don't know what happened to get to this point, but I know we went from her hating this to now she actually posted on Facebook a whole letter to her maps. She said, maps, you've been good to me over the years, but I got to tell you, I found something better. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. It was when she got her new iPhone. That's what it was. She got her new phone and the map, I guess, there was better than this. Whatever. But now she had more confidence in this GPS thing that could tell her how to go. And she retired her maps. So what happened was she, she got trust, right? She, the trust in that developed, developed. And now, does it still take us down crazy streets? Yeah, it does. But do we still put it on and, and use it? Yeah, we do. As a matter of fact... I don't know, I can't tell you how many times I've driven from here to home, from the church to home, but sometimes I still put the GPS on just to see, okay, how's it going to take me today? Because I'm, I'm, maybe I just want a little bit of excitement in my life. Maybe I just want to see, is there something new that's going to happen? But we trust it. And we've gotten to the point now, my kids, when I was growing up, you know, if you had to go on a trip, you, you had to get all the directions ahead of time. You had to look at the landmarks. You had to figure out, because once you're on the road, you're kind of stuck. You had to pull over maybe at a gas station if you get lost and ask somebody for directions. That's why the whole joke, kids of this generation don't quite understand why guys don't ask for directions. Because we don't have to anymore with the GPS. But back in the day, we'd have to write everything down and, oh yeah, turn left at the, at the Dunkin' Donuts and turn right at the Giant and, and all these things. Uh, so now I, my kids don't have to worry about that. I trust the GPS so much. I trust the maps so much that if I can just tell my kid, here's the destination, plug it in, and I know they're going to get there. Well, serving the Lord is like that. Serving the Lord is, like, is exactly like that. So when you first start serving the Lord, he starts to lead you down some ways maybe you just don't feel comfortable with. It's strange. Because the ways of the Lord are different. We said last week, God's ways are higher than our ways. 
But what, what the Lord tells us in, in his word, the way he tells us to live is completely contrary to what the world does. It's upside down. It'll turn your life upside down. And it doesn't make sense. And when you start to follow him, you, you start to feel these promptings to do something that's different than what you may have been used to. And, and, and it's, you may fight against it. You may fight because, wait, this isn't, no, this doesn't feel right. But then as you start to follow it and you start to see that, wait, this is actually the right thing to do and God does know what he's talking about, then you start to have more trust in it. And this is the process. This is, this is the process of learning to trust. And that's, that's what, and even if you have been serving the Lord for a while, now don't think that if the seasoned saints, the, the struggling saints, you know, it's still a struggle for us sometimes to trust like even in this situation right now, for example. Those of us have been serving the Lord a long time. We may look like we got it together, but I'm telling you, we, we struggle with, all right, God, what are you doing here? How are you leading? What are you saying? What should I be doing? And this is what we all should be doing. We all should be listening and trying to hear what does God want us to do because none of this seems normal. None of it seems normal, but you know what? God is still sovereign. And you are going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be better than okay if we trust in the Lord. Now let's talk about trust uh, versus faith. Now trust is, trust is, is, is a firm belief, right? It's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. It's the firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or strength of someone or something. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So because we trust the Lord, because we know that he is able, he's strong, he's reliable, his truth stands forever, we trust him with our lives. We trust him above all else. And because we trust him, we put our faith in him. You know, so they're kind of like interchangeable with trust builds faith. And, and a lot of us, like I said before, we have trust issues. We, we have a hard time believing God, maybe because we have a hard time believing people. But why? Because people have let us down, right? We, we, all of us have had someone who let us down, someone who made a promise to us and it didn't come through. You know, we have, and because of that, we have trust issues and sometimes we bring that to our relationship with the Lord. And, and I want to tell you that God is not man. God is different. God is, is not a man that he should lie. God has never, ever, ever broken a promise. Every single word that he said comes true. Every single word, every promise he has made has come true. And you may not know that right now. You may not believe that right now. You may not have gotten a point in your life where you, you can say that. But as someone who has been serving the Lord for a while, I can tell you, his promises are yes and amen. They are true. You can bet your life on them. You can take them to the bank. I wear a mask because I care about people, but I don't trust that mask. We do things. I I drove my car today. I trusted it to get me here on time. I trusted it to start up when I turned the key. But I don't put my undependent, I mean, I don't, Like, I don't trust that as much as I trust the Lord. 
You know what I mean? We have faith in things, but the Lord is not anything like that. The Lord is so much more. He's so much more. So for the time that we have left today, I want to go through just, I'm going to hit three things because a good preacher has three things, right? But three things of how, how do we grow and how do we grow in trust and how do we grow in faith, all right? So, so let's, let's get into some of that. So the first one, and I apologize in advance if, if some of this isn't groundbreaking news. It's not going to be groundbreaking. I'll give you a little secret. There's nothing new under the sun. What I'm going to share with you is not something that the God, it's not new revelation that God gave to me, but it will change your life because sometimes we just need to hear, be reminded of things. And so how do we grow in faith and how do we learn to trust? The first thing, we've been saying it and we'll continue to say it, we'll say it and say it and say it again and again and again, the word of God. It's the word of God. In, in Romans 10, 17 says, how does faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the whole word of God. We're talking about, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians spend, you know, all they read is the, old, the New Testament or all they read is the words of Jesus or all they read is those, those promises, you know, the highlights of the Bible. I'm telling you, you got to get the whole word. Don't build your life on just the fancy promises or the ones that make good coffee mugs or t-shirts or ornaments. You got to get the whole word of God. You got to read the Old Testament. Here's why one reason you need to read the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you get to see how God has not only cared about what goes on in history, but how he intervenes in history. You can see all throughout the Old Testament how God intervened, how he used ordinary people to change the course of history. How he looked at down on earth and he said, well, here's a problem. We got to do something about it. And he, had, he, intervened, he did something about it. He raised up ordinary people. He anointed ordinary people, but it was God's concern for what was going on You'll see that as you read the Old Testament. You'll also see that he's sovereign. That no matter what the kings try to do, no matter what the leaders of the world try to do, no matter how they try to thwart the plans of the Lord or the, the, his promises for his people, no matter how they try to, to go against what God is intending for his people, God is still sovereign and his purposes will prevail. You see that in the Old Testament. You see that. You've got to read that in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you, you, you see how people that trusted God, how it turned out. Uh, we, we look in, in Hebrews, for example. I know this isn't the Old Testament, but he, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, right? And it talks about all the great heroes of the Bible from the Old Testament who believed God, who trusted God. They took him at his word and they, they stepped out in faith because God said it, they stepped out in faith. And because of that trust, they took action and he did what he was supposed to do. You see that in the hall of faith. And because of their step of faith, what it says is that God, God approved of them. Not because of what they did, but because of their trust in the Lord. That's important. Because we don't, we don't do things to get God's approval. It's not what we do. 
we trust him and we do things and because we're doing things out of trust, God looks and he says, I approve. And isn't that what we want anyway? Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that what we want? We want God to say to us, well done. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you today. As much as I want you guys to say amen, as much as I want you to, to give the hands up or the fire emoji, as pastor said, as much as I want you to pat me on the back and say, hey man, that was a good word minister to me. That's good. But I want God to say to me, well done. I'm standing up here delivering something that I believe God has put on my heart. And what matters to me and what should matter to you is not so much what people think, but it is God approving of what you're doing. And is your action, is it motivated out of trust in the Lord? Are we operating out of trust? And so you see that in the hall of faith. You see in the Old Testament, Job, whole book of Job. Many of you know the story. This guy was rich. He lost everything because God trusted him. God trusted him. And as a result of God's trust in him, he lost everything. And, and he had nothing left. His kids died. All his material possessions were gone. He had his wife, and he's covered with sores, and his wife is telling him to just curse God and die. The woman that you are spending your life with, your other half, the one that God has blessed you with, the one that you just, you are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, and now this one, all you have left is saying, curse God and die. But Job wouldn't give in to that. Job said his response, his response was, should we accept only good from God and not bad? Job's response was, even though he slay me, even though he kills me, if God kills me, I'm going to trust him. I'm still going to trust. I'm not going to give up my trust. And you read this in the Old Testament. You see how people trusted him. Let's look one, one last one. The Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? This, this story, they were captives, and the king builds a statue. And he says, hey, when I play the music, everybody bow down and worship my statue. Right? And the Hebrew boys said, no way. We serve Yahweh. We serve the Lord alone. And the king was furious. He called them in. And they said, listen, king, our God is able to deliver us. Of course, they were the threat of being thrown in the, in the fire. You know the story. Many of you know the story. And they weren't afraid of the fire. They weren't going to bow down just out of fear just because the king told them to do it. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will not bow. So they trusted that God could, that he was able, but they knew that it was up to God to decide whether to do it or not. And they said, regardless of what God decides, we are trusting in his ability and we will not bow. And of course, it worked out for them where they got out of the fire without even smelling like smoke. And so it's those stories that we read in the Old Testament of how, how the Lord delivers his people, but mostly how God's people respond in faith and how they put their trust and how they follow him. And that should grow our faith. It should grow our faith. You've got to read the whole Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says that, that all scripture is God-breathed. Not just the New Testament, not just the red letters, but all scripture is inspired by God. It's, it's God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's inspired by God, all of it, 
all of it's inspired by God and, and useful for teaching us. So you got to get in to the whole thing. And you see not only how God moved in people's lives and how he intervened in history, but you also see the heart of God. This is important. This matters. In the book of Leviticus, I'm not going to quote anything from it, but the book of Leviticus is a bunch of laws. It's a bunch of laws. And you read this and you get bored and, and maybe this is part of your devotional today. You wonder why is it, right? It's kind of a boring book, yes. But as you read it, next time you read Leviticus, I want to challenge you to try to find the heart of God in that. Because God is not just about do's and don'ts. He's not just about rules of you can do this and you can't do that. He wants holiness of his people. He wants us to be separated unto him. But it's not just about what you can do and what you can't do. It's not just about what you can eat and what you cannot eat, right? There's a heart of God behind all of that. And when you read the Old Testament, you really see God's heart. You start to see that he's, he's slow to anger and abounding in love. It says that multiple times, but, but you see how that actually plays out. And so you've got to read the word. That's one way to build, build our trust. Amen? The second way, another way you can build your, your faith and your trust <clears throat> is through the community of faith. Through the community of faith. Who's that? Well, that's, that's us. That's you and me. That's the church. That's not just Lighthouse, but other believers, people who believe uh, in, in the Lord, right? This is the community of faith. Why? Because, because we have a common language. We can talk about what it means to follow the Lord. And the, the, the world doesn't understand this. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who, who, haven't, who, who God hasn't opened their eyes and revealed to them how good he is and that there's a savior for them. And we pray that God will do that for everybody. And if you're listening today, we hope that you, that you would understand that there is a God in heaven who cares about you, who knows you by name and wants you to know him. And he wants you to have eternal life with him. And he wants you to understand the blessings that, that we're talking about today. But if you haven't understand that, you haven't gotten to that revelation, then it's foolishness. And so the community of faith, we get to share with each other. We get to talk with each other about scripture, about the promises of God. We get to share our testimony with each other, right? We have to share what God is doing in our lives. If God's done something for you, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody. Say, hey, look, this is what God did for me. And, and if, if you had God move in your life this week or recently or you have something to tell, tell it to somebody. I know we're in isolation. I know we're, we're limited in what we can do, right? We can't go out. We can't just, uh, we're not free to move about the country. We, we can, but we still need to interact with each other. So whether it's through a phone call, whether through someone that you can't actually get together with, whether it's through sending something through social media, however you need to communicate, share what God is doing in your life. God is good. God is good all the time. God is good not just when times are good. God is good even in the darkest of hours. And, and some of you may feel like time is dark right now, but God is still good. God is still sovereign. And it's this community of faith that, that helps us see that. It reminds us. You know, a lot of us may be, I don't know everybody's situation, obviously, but you may feel isolated. Like, and even before this whole thing, you may have felt alone and isolated. 
And I want to tell you that God does know your name and that we as a church need to help each other out in that. We need to, uh, one of the challenges, we, we uh, started this week the book of Philippians. And, and in our group, we had homework, and this will be a reminder to anybody who was in the group and maybe you forgot. And, uh, and anyone else who wants to join in this with us, you can go for it. Uh, if the Lord puts somebody on your heart, if you're praying in your devotion time or whatever, or throughout the week, God puts somebody on your heart that you need to maybe reach out to and send an encouraging word to, you know, I don't know when the last time you got a handwritten note was, but it's a beautiful thing, man. It's encouraging to get real mail from somebody, real mail, like that you have to stamp, you have to sign your name, you got to have the delivery from the, the post office, right? That's real mail. That's, that's encouraging. That's, that's something different, and it's a lost art. I want to challenge you to maybe think of somebody and send a handwritten note. God will do that. God knows what you need. God knows what I need. God has, God has moved in people's hearts to write me notes different times when I needed them. He's moved on people's hearts to speak to me when I needed to hear a word of encouragement. That's what we need to do. It's not just about me receiving. It's not just about you receiving. You are the people of God. We are the people. We are the community of God, right? And, and we are not just about receiving God's blessings. We're about supporting and giving and blessing others, right? So, so let's do that, church. Let's, let's do that, especially now. And as we do that, that builds our faith. That builds the faith of each other, right? And don't, don't separate yourself. Now is not the time to separate yourself from the church. Now is the time to, to get more connected. You know, and I know it's hard. It's, we got to get creative in this time. We don't have the ease. You can't just show up on Sunday and pass somebody in the hallway and, and say a couple words. It, it's not that convenient anymore, right? So now we have to go out of our way. But I want to challenge you to do that because it's definitely worth it. It would encourage your faith. It would grow somebody else's faith. So I want you to, to do that. So the community of faith. So it's the word of God that builds our faith. It's a community of faith that builds our faith and our trust. And then the last one, which is not the most favorite of all, but the last one is actually through suffering. How is trust built? Through suffering. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I kind of think of faith and trust, it's kind of like, kind of like a muscle, Right? And if you know anything about building muscle, those of you muscle heads or you go to the gym or you, you've worked out at any point in your life, you may know that if you want to build muscle, you have to do something to, to stress that muscle out. You have to push that muscle to its limit. You have to do something. What's happening actually chemically is it, it's breaking down the, the, it's breaking the muscle, it's destroying your muscle so that it can regenerate and when it regenerates, it's stronger than it was before. That's how you build muscle. Faith and trust are kind of the same thing. So we, we have to go through some things in life. You know, and, and in James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Consider it joy when you're struggling. Consider it joy. <laughs> How many of you rejoice when times are tough? You, <laughs> we're studying the book of Philippians. The theme of Philippians is rejoice always. And again, I say it, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. We have reason to rejoice. Because we have pain? No, nobody, that's foolish. We don't rejoice because we have pain. We rejoice because, because we know that God is bigger than our pain, right? God is this momentary whatever we're dealing with, whether it's today or 10 years from now, this is gonna go away, what we're dealing with today. A few years from now, it's gonna be something else, right? There's always going to be something that gives you discomfort, that is an inconvenience, that gives you pain, that gives you a trial, that maybe not go the way that you want it to go. And so what do you do? You rejoice. You rejoice as we have these trials because it produces perseverance. You know, there was a, uh, in the early 90s, there was this experiment that uh, they, they did. It was, it was called Biosphere 2. And it was a dome. It's in Arizona. And they, they tried to make this, uh, this closed ecological system. And the whole idea was to see if they could, they could create some, uh, some environment to sustain life if our environment went to pot or in, on Mars or out in space. They wanted to see if they could create this ecosystem. And so it was a perfect environment. There was a, a desert in there. They had ocean, huge, big, big land. And they had people that went in there and they, they lived there for a couple of years. They had trees, they had forests. It was all in a dome, all in an enclosed area. So what they noticed though about the trees is that the trees, they grew quickly because it was a nice environment. They grew quickly, but then they also started to fall over quickly. And so as it turns out, they, they studied, they tried to figure out why are these trees growing fast but then falling over. And it's because they lacked, get this, they lacked stress wood. It's actually called stress wood. There's a process that happens when trees are exposed to natural environments. Wind, storms, rain, it pushes the tree this way, it pushes the tree that way. And as it goes back and forth, the tree starts to react, it re responds. So the wind blows this way and the tree starts to build up strength over here so it doesn't fall over. Wind blows that way, tree starts to build up strength over here so it doesn't fall over. And over time, as these winds, it sways back and forth. The branches go up and down, animals run over it, and, and it starts to build this stress wood so that it can stand, so it can grow taller, so it can stand under its own weight, so it doesn't fall over when the real storms come. It's stress wood. You know, and a lot of us, we want sometimes to be in a, in a perfect environment. Don't we want to be? We want to be in a place where, oh God, just spare me the trouble. And, and I'm, we've heard enough that, that the life of the Christian is not free from trouble. Okay, if, if you still think that, then okay, call us because we got to straighten you out a little bit. But there are troubles in life and, and there's no way you're going to have an environment that's perfect. There's an old Andre Crouch song that says, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. If we didn't have problems, 
how would we know that God could fix them? How, do we, how would we know? How would we, if you never had a problem, would you seek the Lord? And I'm not suggesting that God causes trouble just so that we could be his, just minions and, and, and just call on his name because we need help. That's not, what this, that's not what he does. It's not the heart of God. But I'm telling you that the, the testing of our faith when we were put in a position where we have to go, wait a minute now. Okay, we had enough faith when we first came to God to believe that he is the Savior, that he died for us, that he has life for me, and we trusted, we, we had faith in him for that. And then we leave, and life hits, and now what? Right? Now we got to see how this thing plays out. We start to learn what it means not that Jesus is not just Savior, but he's also Lord. As things happen, I have to make decisions in life. And, you know, is it, am I, am I leaning on him? Am I trusting in him? Am I listening, looking at his word for guidance? Or am I just going my old way with my old maps? You know, and, and it's that kind of, okay, what do I do now, Lord? How do I deal with this, Lord? And it's that kind of thing that produces this stress wood in us and it builds up the endurance and the perseverance in us so that we can withstand the real storms. Now, I don't know what you're going through. Obviously, we're all going through this thing, but I mean, we talked enough about the unprecedented times that we have. I mean, if I never hear the word unprecedented again, it's, it'd be too soon. <laughs> There's some words I'd like to retire from the vocabulary at the end of 2020. Uh, unprecedented, lockdown, pandemic, all those. They can, you can keep them. I don't want them anymore. But I'm telling you that God is bigger than that. And I'm addressing the church right now. I mean, God, we know God cares about you individually. He knows what you're going through. We also know that God is, is concerned not just about us individually and our faith and our serving the Lord is, is bigger than us. Right? So let's talk about the church in general. And I'm, and I'm almost done here, so we'll close this up. But just talk about some, some things that have come out of this trying time in 2020 for the church, right? So literally the church has been forced outside of our own walls. You know, it was almost like the church was getting comfortable. And, and this isn't true for everybody, but it's good that God shakes us up every once in a while and reminds us that, hey, there's more to the world. There's more people that I want to reach than just what's inside the pews, that just people you see every Sunday. So literally the church has been forced. Churches have been forced to do, even us, you know, to get set up and do this live stream and, and do it in a, in a good quality way. So that's, that's a good thing because literally people can watch this all over the world and that's a good thing, right? So now the church is, I think, better equipped to reach, reach the end of the world. Uh, online gatherings, um, you know, there's conferences and things that are happening. Uh, people can, you don't have to actually go to, but you can, you can join it no matter where you are. And uh, there's churches actually having church outside. Literally having church outside. Now, we can't do that because we don't have a parking lot and we don't have the ability to do any of that. But there are churches that do have the capacity. And, and guess what? The word is going out. People might be driving by. They might be hearing it. Who wouldn't hear it otherwise? That's a good thing. So we rejoice in that. 
individuals, and myself included, we're, we're forced to reevaluate our relationship with the Lord, right? So if you haven't thought at all this year about, okay, what does my relationship with the Lord mean? Then I think you're missing something because that is a question all of us believers have to ask, right? Am I, am I serving? Why do I go to church? Am I, am I trusting in the giver or the gift? Am I trusting in the one who blesses or the blessing? Is church just the gathering? Is church more than that, right? And I think we're seeing that it is more than that. You know, the church, when, when Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, he wasn't talking about a building. He didn't ha- they didn't have the church like we know it today. And a lot of times we read that in today's context and we think, okay, he was talking about the assemblies of God or the church as we know it today, right? And we're not, it's not that at all. The church that he was referring to is the called out ones. The called out ones. And as they were traveling, it's the same word, ecclesia, that referred to when they were in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, wandering. They didn't have a building, they had a tabernacle, but they were God's people called out from darkness, called out to be children of light. That's the church. Regardless of where you gather before this pandemic, regardless of where you gather now, I mean, if you are the church of God, it's because God has called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. He's called you into something that is so much better than what the world can offer. And, and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. We build our life on that kind of trust. And you know what? I wonder, um, is this a setup for the next great revival? I just have to wonder. You know, I look back on history and the Spanish flu 100 years ago, and, and that was a time when you can read the history about it, but it, it caused people to question eternity. It caused them to question, is there more to life than this? It caused them to think about their own mortality. And I know right now, when we're going through this, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are asking, they're wondering, is there anything to hold on to? Is there hope? If I'm going to die, what is, and it's causing people to think about this. And I just wonder, is it maybe a setup for the next great revival? I don't know. But are we ready for it? Are you ready for revival in your own life? Are you trusting God that no matter what comes, that he's going to hold you? He'll, he'll give you the grace to walk through it or he will carry you through it on his own. But you will get through it. Whatever this trouble is today, whatever the trouble is for tomorrow, Our God is able. Our God is trustworthy. You know, I saw that the Bible app had 52 million installs this year. 52. Just to put that in context, they've had 450 million over the lifetime of the app. 52 million in 2020 alone. People are hungry. We are hungry. Now is the time to seek the Lord more. Now is not the time to run away from him. Amen. Are you trusting him? I I hope you're encouraged today. I hope you're encouraged 
that God is active. God is moving. God is moving. And we've sung it many times, even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, he's moving. God is doing something. And we are limited to what we see in this moment right now. But there's a bigger picture. There's something so much bigger that God wants to do. If we will just trust him, if we would just hold his hand through it, if we would just look to keep our eyes on the author and the finisher. He planned it, he ordained it, he's gonna finish it. And he'll give us joy in the midst of it. I believe that. I believe that. That's my prayer for you, that God will give you joy, that you won't be so fearful of anything that's going on right now, no matter what your situation is, that you would just have joy in the midst of whatever you're going through. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I want to leave you with one last scripture, and then we'll pray. It's found in Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4. And it's a promise of the Lord to you. It's a promise of the Lord to you when you may be overwhelmed with fear and overwhelmed with lack of hope and not knowing where to turn and, and what to do. It's a reminder that God will say to you that he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for being the rock that we could build our lives on Thank you for giving us your word so that we could learn about you, so that we could know you, that we could find your heart. Lord, I pray that everybody who's listening, God, I pray for your church. I pray for us, the believers, God, that we would, that we would have the Holy Spirit, God, that, would, that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us the truths in your word, God, that as we open this book, as we seek your face, this week, that you, you would reveal yourself to us. God, we don't need another quick fix. We don't need another fancy verse or maybe even another promise, God, but we need to know. We need to see the face of God. We need to see your hand. We need to see that you're still with us. Some of us listening, we need to know that you still care, that you haven't forsaken us. God, and I know I can stand here and I can bet my life and I know without a doubt that you will never leave or forsake us, God. But some of us may be feeling differently. Some of us may be wondering, God, your word says that we won't get, you no know, trouble will come near our tent, but then there's trouble. And God, we're trying to reconcile that. And God, I pray that you would just bring truth, reveal truth to, to, to us because we need it, God. We need, we need your reminder. We need your, your hand. We need your spirit. We need your presence. And Father, I thank you for your faithful promises that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever and ever and ever. And that we could build our lives, we can, we can put our faith and our trust in you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.